Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick Colley with Keystone Elder Law. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. We at Keystone Elder Law uh, talk a lot and provide a lot of education to people about shielding the middle class from the costs and the challenges of getting older. And we do that by anticipating specific and predictable threats that will very likely come your way. So we, we address those threats using estate planning tools, such as a power of attorney, a will, certain kinds of asset protection trusts. But it all starts with understanding your circumstances, understanding your family, your health, your finances, and then predicting the threats that are coming your way so that we can build a shield to protect you against them. We, we can do that. We can sort of identify the threats that are coming your way because we see all the time what happens to families that do not have a shield to protect them. And we put a lot of effort into educating middle-class families in central Pennsylvania. The Later in Life Planning Show is just one part of that effort. I also do weekly webinars so you can watch from the comfort of your own home and learn about middle-class estate planning and asset protection, as well as another webinar that takes a deep dive into the levels of long-term care and the expenses that go with those levels of care and how people pay for them you are interested in one of those uh, online workshops, you can go to keystoneelderlaw.com and click on the workshops tab. We, we update the dates weekly so you can see when the next one is coming up and get registered. While you're there, check out the elder care articles tab uh, because we have years and years of articles on various topics that have something to do with later in life planning. One thing you'll notice is that we do tend to use a lot of stories, and the stories are based loosely on actual client situations that are that are instructive. I mean, maybe we, we've seen multiple families go through the same thing, so rather than try to explain the complex details of Medicaid law, inheritance tax law, and the various kinds of deeds or ways to own property, we'll tell you the, uh, one family story, and that, that family is probably a lot like a lot of clients we've had. But then it's up to you to take action. And most of the people who come into the office at Keystone Elder Law are eager to take action, especially if they have had experience with a family member who cannot safely stay in their home anymore because of declining health, or they have experience with uh, poor estate planning leading to frustrating estate administration or other kinds of problems like that. So when I, when I provide the education, it touches a nerve, and they come in, and they're eager to talk about it, and they're eager to move forward and take action, which is much more important. But for every eager client I have at Keystone Elder Law, I know that there are probably a dozen out there in the world who are refusing to take action. And believe me, I've heard all the excuses. Uh, one that's pretty common is, I don't want to think about getting sick and dying. So they're just not going to engage. They're not going to probably even take in the education that we offer. Well, I hate to tell you this, but it's going to happen. You are going to die one day, and you're probably going to get sick before that happens. That's what happens to most people in the population. The rate of needing long-term care of some kind uh, before you pass away is about 70% of the population. So Here's the takeaway. We cannot avoid adult responsibilities. We either handle them or we are deciding to let someone else handle them. 
So there's no just sticking your head in the sand. It, that just means somebody else will have to take on the responsibilities that you have refused to face and take on. And I've seen the anguish that adult children go through when they're trying to make responsible adult decisions for their parents, decisions that the parents should have made themselves. But I also hear people maybe get a little closer to the point. They say, okay, maybe I'll get sick one day, but I'm never going to a nursing home. I get it. Nobody wants to leave their home. It's where your memories are. It's your independence and so forth. And if you have dementia, if you have Parkinson's, if you have some other condition that makes it unsafe for you to stay at home, by saying, I'm not going to a nursing home, you're just, again, simply saying somebody else is going to have to take care of this situation. You're saying somebody's going to have to give up time from their family, time away from their jobs, maybe even their own money to care for you. And this is the reality that I think people just don't want to face is that there are conditions later in life that sort of rob you of your independence and rob you of the ability to take care of yourself the way that you have your whole life. And, you know, this line of thinking of I'm not going to a nursing home, it's just refusing to face reality and then forcing somebody else to deal with the problem when it happens. The nursing homes are full of people who were never going to go to a nursing home. This is just a fact of life. But it's better to face that fact and make responsible estate planning decisions now while you are healthy to lessen the burden on your family and maybe save a lot of your hard-earned money for your family. You know, finally, I also hear some people say, well, I don't want to spend the money on a lawyer. So you hear this guy on the radio, me, saying that you, you know, your estate planning should have some measure of asset protection in it. There's certain provisions that really need to be in your power of attorney. Your, Your will, especially if you're married, really should have an asset protection trust of one kind or another built into it. And you look and you realize you don't have any of that, and it's frustrating I get it. You thought you had it all taken care of. You already maybe paid a lawyer to do this. Uh, Maybe it was a lawyer who, you know, never asked any questions about your goals, never asked any questions about your health or your finances. Uh, You know, did that lawyer ever explain how the estate plan actually works as a shield to protect you you against threats like long-term care or, uh, or taxes? And if the answer is no, the lawyer did none of these things, That would explain why you have a very generic, simple, three-page will. And, you know, that's going to explain why your power of attorney does not even authorize asset protection. And that's going to explain why you don't have a trust of any kind uh, to protect assets against predictable threats, like having a stroke or having dementia. Some of you may have heard Dr. Rollin Wright, one of my guests on a previous episode, talk about how common dementia is what it does to the brain, and therefore what it does to behavior. You know, this is, this is predictable. It's happening all around you to neighbors in your community. And then the next question is, what are you doing to protect yourself and your family from when that happens? Not, not if it happens, it's happening all around you. If, that, if that's part of your future, that comes with a level of care that's awfully expensive. Are you protecting against that? And if money is still your only objection, even after you realize that, that you know, there's something that goes into this, that it has to be done the right way, you still just don't want to spend money to prepare for that, let's talk today about the cost of legal planning versus the cost of not doing the proper planning. One thing that I can guarantee you is the cost of not planning 
is always greater than the cost of planning. If you can build a shield to protect protect you against predictable threats, you are absolutely going to see value that is far, far greater in the future than what you would pay a lawyer today. That's the point I want to drive home. And like I said, I don't see it often. Uh, we do a lot of education. We, we make sure that people not only know what the planning tools are, but how they work and what they do for people. We give stories to make it come to life. We want people to understand that when you invest in, in this kind of shield that we're building together, it's going to work for you in all kinds of situations that might not be obvious. Like, that's, you know, that's really why I have on people like Dr. Rollin Wright in a previous episode, Dr. Raj Dave talking about peripheral artery disease. If you haven't heard that episode, I, I recommend you go and give it a listen. Uh, just ways to, these, there's all kinds of ways to build a shield, and it's not just the legal planning, of course. But when you realize the cost of care that comes from peripheral arterial disease and you lose a limb or you lose mobility, you have a stroke, now you're, you're, you no longer can make the decisions for yourself that you've always made. You have to have a plan for that. And it has to recognize the cost that goes with having a, a higher level of care. For those of you out there in radio land who refuse to get the guidance that I'm talking about, I just want to tell you that what you pay for legal guidance to protect you from long-term care expenses and taxes should be seen as an investment. Don't compare it to something that you could buy now, like, oh, boy, that's what you're, you want to charge me? I could buy groceries all month for that. That's not the way to think about it. You want to think of it more like a financial investment that you pay some now and you have to wait for the gratification, but one day the value is much, much greater. So this is the what I'm going to talk about today, and, and I mentioned the, the uh, previous episodes. If, if you want to go back and listen to previous episodes of this show, you can go to whp580.com. In the upper left corner, there's a menu on that site. You can choose the podcasts, and you'll find the Later in Life Planning Show where you can see previous episodes. Uh, the, we had a guest talking about how to find higher levels of care that are appropriate for a family member, one talking about dementia and all of the details of what happens in the brain. Uh, we had one on uh, cardiovascular fitness and, and the, the treatments that are available if you're able to detect it. So you can be protecting yourself and building a shield in all kinds of ways, but I want you to find that. So look at, at the podcast menu or, or go onto your iHeart app or your Apple Podcasts app and give it a listen. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. This is Patrick Cauley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law. And before the break, I was talking about some of the objections I hear uh, from people who just don't want to take action uh, and to go to an elder law attorney and or go to a financial advisor for that matter. And build a shield to protect themselves against predictable and very expensive threats that can come their way in the later years of life. And I think I, I'll just put it in the form of, of a story uh, loosely based on some clients I've had. And so we'll call this guy Jerry. And Jerry, uh, picture a guy who didn't like talking to people about what he had. He was a very private fellow. He didn't work with a financial advisor. He refused to talk to a lawyer. He was a do-it-yourself kind of guy. So Jerry set himself up with an IRA with Fidelity. 
He had some investment accounts with Vanguard. He spread some cash across accounts in, let's say, three different local banks. Jerry had a house. Uh, He loved working on that house. He kept the lawn and the landscaping looking perfect. Uh, There wasn't a squeaky door or window in that whole place. But when Jerry has a stroke, his physical mobility becomes severely limited, and his memory is awfully spotty. His personality is different. Uh, Jerry, at this point, needs a considerable amount of help. He's not the, the strong, silent type who can be independent anymore. He needs help from other people. Now, Jerry's children live a few hours away in different states, uh, so, and of course, these children have their own busy lives. They have jobs. They have kids of their own. There's no way that Jerry's kids can be there constantly around the clock to care for their father. Jerry's kids are smart. They, uh, they do some research. Uh, they find caregivers who might be able to come into the home. They research assisted living or skilled care facilities where Jerry can get around-the-clock care from professionals. When Jerry's kids called me at Keystone Elder Law... You know, I, I confirm for them these levels of care, the, the way that they work, how people pay for them. In fact, I do a whole online workshop about this, which I mentioned earlier. You can go to KeystoneElderLaw.com, click the Workshops tab, and, you, and, and select the, uh, the workshop for how will you pay for long-term care. And I go through all the options like private pay, long-term care insurance, veterans benefits, and Medicaid, which is the most common way, especially at the highest level, skilled care. So here's the biggest problem, though, in Jerry's case. Jerry had saved some money, of course, um, and he can afford, with the money that he had saved, uh, doing it himself, building up his his savings, he could pay for care for a little while, but eventually he was going to run out of money. And whether Jerry was going to pay privately he didn't have long-term care insurance. He was not a, a veteran who would who would qualify for those benefits. So, you know, he was going to pay privately for a while. Uh, but whether he was going to do that or whether he was going to rely on Medicaid to pay for long-term care, the biggest problem was that Jerry had never done proper legal planning. In fact, he had done no legal planning at all. So Jerry had no power of attorney. The power of attorney is absolutely underrated. It is a very powerful asset protection tool so that there's actually something to go through your will one day to for people to inherit. Everybody wants to talk about the will, but you know, the power of attorney is where it's at. That's that's where your incapacity planning is. And of course Jerry didn't have one. He had no incapacity plan. So Jerry's children are going through every drawer in the house looking for financial records so they could figure out where the heck dad's money is, what what accounts does he have, what planning had he done. And I told them, you know, that's great. You do need to find that those records, but, you know, none of this is going to matter if they cannot access that money. And that's something to keep in mind. When you're healthy, you have full access and control over everything you own. But some medical incident, like a stroke that Jerry had, or it could be dementia, it could be uh, a bad fall or a car accident, any one of these medical incidents happen, and suddenly you don't have that ability anymore. You You cannot access or control financial accounts, for example. So then at that point, who has access and control over your money, your real estate, so whether he was going to privately pay or, or use Medicaid, access and control to what he had was going to be critically important. So 
the the money has to be available even if you're going on Medicaid plan uh, doing Medicaid planning because we have to uh, eventually reduce the amount of money on paper that you have and with any luck keep a very large amount of it uh, and if you're married a hundred percent of it in your family so you know and it, by the way if Jerry was going to have any hope of leaving something to his kids at the end of his life. Every passing day now after his stroke is consuming his savings, whether it's care in the home and paying private caregivers to come in for hours a day at $25, $30 each for each caregiver, you know, to get him through his day, that's going to cost a lot of money. He can't qualify for Medicaid because if he has money in banks, money in, in Vanguard accounts, Fidelity accounts, he has way too much to actually become eligible for Medicaid. There's a process that we elder law attorneys go through to keep the money in the family and to become eligible for a public benefit that Jerry spent his life paying into with every paycheck. So, you know, you have to be able to access the money one way or another, private pay or going through all the, the complicated steps of Medicaid planning to get him eligible to have his care paid that way. So if Jerry had contacted an elder law attorney before the stroke, a power of attorney could have been drafted that would have had asset protection built into it, could have been signed in a couple weeks, all for a total cost of a few hundred dollars at most. After the stroke, Jerry's kids would have had immediate access to Jerry's IRA, his investment accounts, his bank accounts, and so forth. So care could have been uh, arranged for and provided without Jerry's kids reaching into their own wallets. Instead of spending a few hundred dollars, Jerry will spend much more money. This is the cost of not doing planning. So an attorney instead is going to have to draft a petition for guardianship. The petition has to identify one of Jerry's children as the potential guardian, so the child will have to go through uh, the state police criminal background check, not only in Pennsylvania, but in also the, the state where they live. They have to get a similar background check. Guardianship strips away the fundamental constitutional rights that a person once had. So there's also a form to notify the state police that Jerry can no longer own firearms. A doctor has to examine Jerry and write a report detailing exactly why Jerry can no longer make financial decisions or health-related decisions. Jerry can't keep himself safe, so the state has to make uh, has to authorize somebody else to do that for him. And once all that paperwork is finally gathered, the petition is filed, and then everyone waits for the court to hold a hearing. Waiting is expensive in itself. But once the hearing happens, the doctor takes the witness stand in Jerry's presence, by the way, and describes how Jerry is not capable of making his decisions for himself. The judge, hopefully, concludes that uh, the hearing at the end by issuing an order declaring Jerry to be an incapacitated person and appointing someone to make all of Jerry's financial and medical decisions for him. And after the hearing, the appointed guardian will have to submit to the government an inventory of everything Jerry owns. This is what guardianship looks like. This is the backup plan that the government has in place if you don't do your own planning. If you don't make your own responsible adult decisions, the government has to make them for you. So that whole inventory of everything Jerry owns goes into the government. Then once a year, the, the appointed guardian has to submit another report to the government listing every financial and medical decision that was made in the last year for Jerry. Jerry's life is now an open book. 
And there's a good reason. The government, if you're under guardianship, the government wants to make sure you're not being neglected, wants to make sure you're not being exploited. So, you know, once the government gets involved, they're going to make sure that that you are uh, being cared for. So the good news is that Jerry uh, Jerry has his care being paid for. The bad news is that it costs a lot more than Jerry would have paid to have a good power of attorney in place. Instead of a few hundred dollars, Jerry pays the lawyer a few thousand dollars to go through this this whole guardianship proceeding and spend time in court. But worse than that, if Jerry needs skilled nursing care, Jerry's paying the facility privately $13,000 a month while waiting for the guardianship proceeding to conclude. And if nobody can access Jerry's accounts, then the children are paying $13,000 a month while waiting for the guardianship proceeding to conclude. Money's not the the only cost here, obviously. You can imagine the emotional toll all of this is taking on Jerry's children. When we say shield yourself against these threats, this is what I'm talking about. Make your responsible decisions and make life easier for the people around you and save an awful lot of money in the process. Obviously, there's a whole lot more detail to how guardianship works. If you have questions about that, you can find articles at keystoneelderlaw.com. And, of course, we provide regular workshops where we talk about all of these details. Happy to answer questions for you anytime. Uh, we do provide a lot of education, and, and we hope you take action in a way that Jerry did not. We will be back in a moment. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. So we're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. Before the break, I was talking about Jerry's story. Jerry refusing to uh, get any sort of financial guidance, refusing to see an elder law attorney and build a shield to protect protect against expensive and predictable threats that came his way. So, you know, I want to contrast the story of Jerry with some people who had absolutely no hesitation to take action. They asked very good questions. They 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 uh, got the education they needed. Then they took action So I'm talking about, let's say, Sarah and Melody. That's what we'll call them. Sarah and Melody are sisters. Both are retired. Neither Sarah nor Melody has a living spouse, so they own a home together. Each of them has their own retirement accounts. They have bank accounts. They have investment accounts. And Sarah and Melody have a shared goal. Whatever money or property they have will ultimately go to Sarah's daughter when they are both deceased. So Sarah's daughter and Melody's niece. So they have a shared goal. They're sharing this home. Everything's going well. But Sarah and Melody reached out to Keystone Elder Law, and they they got some education about, you know, what's going to happen? What are ways to to protect against taxes? What if if one of them gets sick and needs long-term care, has long-term care costs? So, of course, we referred them to our, our workshops. They, they eagerly attended the workshops that we offer on these topics. And then they came in for a meeting. And when they came into Keystone Elder Law, I said to them, well, if, if part of your goal is protecting against taxes, let's start with the house. Uh, you know, are you OK with $40,000 leaving your family and going to the government in the form of taxes? Because that's what's going to happen if you do nothing. And they were shocked because these are very careful people. They, they could tell me right down to the penny how much money was in every one of their accounts. Uh, they were asking great questions about, 
health-related questions, long-term care costs. They were, they were investigating everything, and they it was almost like they couldn't believe they missed that somehow. And I said, you know, yeah, $40,000 leaving the family in taxes. And they said, well, of course we want that $40,000 to stay in the family. We want that to go to Sarah's daughter one day. How do we avoid paying that much in taxes? And how do we even owe that much in taxes? And I explained to them how the inheritance tax works in Pennsylvania. So they, they co-own a, a primary residence. They, 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 own a, they own a house together. They're both on the deed. So when one sister dies, the other sister automatically becomes the owner of the house. But the surviving sister has to pay inheritance tax on the half that was just inherited from the deceased sister, and the tax rate for siblings is 12% of the home's value on the date of death. But that's not all, because when the second sister dies and Sarah's daughter inherits the property, there's inheritance tax again. So, you know, if if it's Melody, who is the younger of the two sisters, and that's that's the aunt here, if she's the one who dies second and not the mother, then the tax rate from aunt to niece is 15%. So they've paid 12% and then they pay 15%. So based on the value of the home today, I calculated it would be at least $40,000 all told. So when I described how an asset protection trust works, how you can avoid inheritance tax and also preserve the entire value of the home from a long-term care situation, Sarah and Melody were happy to pay me some money as an investment that would produce much, much greater value down the road. And that's how I think people should see this. It's investigate your options. I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. I'm just laying out, this is likely to come your way. Here's how we would have something in place to protect against that. And sometimes when people come to me It's not even something that Keystone Elder Law does. I might recruit a financial advisor to come into the meeting. I might recruit, uh, you know, a funeral home director if if funeral planning is part of the holistic planning. Um, You know, there's all kinds of professionals out there, people who help you find the right level of care. We recruit them. And and so there's there's it's not just one professional who can build the shield that protects you from these expenses that come your way, the way of your family. Um, it, it's, it's a whole network of them. And fortunately at Keystone Elder Law, we are very fortunate to have wonderful relationships with a lot of these professionals. Uh, at least once a month, we, we spend time uh, in a very large conference room at, at Keystone Elder Law. There's a huge roundtable meeting where you know we'll introduce a topic, maybe something we're seeing in the news, something, uh, some development in the law, some proposed legislation, and we'll put put it out there for a topic, and then the conversation just sort of goes where it's going to go because it's a room full of compassionate, smart people putting their heads together and giving a little window into what their clientele is going through and how this might work or work against the people they work with. And we do the same thing, and uh, you know, none of us are using names, of course, by the way, but we're, we're putting out their stories about, you know, what if this happens, what if this happens, and what are you seeing in your work? Um, And all of this comes to bear so that we can help people like Sarah and Melody who are looking for solutions. And uh, in this case, I mean, I I only talked about the house so far. Of course, you know, they had other assets and we can look at ways to maximize uh, the protection for what they have 
so that not only can they get care that they might need one day if they're one of the 70% of the population that needs long-term care, uh, but they can avoid taxes, they can keep more money in their family, and ultimately Sarah's daughter uh, will live a better life because of the careful planning that Sarah and Melody did together and, and I'm sure continue to do together. So this is just one example of people who are eager to follow advice. Contrast that with Jerry, who just stuck to himself. He was going to do things his way. He didn't want to talk to anybody else. Well, you know, we're all interdependent. You know, we like to think of ourselves, Pennsylvanians are are a strong, uh, independent people. It's part of the American way. Uh, we don't want to th- lean on anybody for help. But I'm telling you, the older you get, the more you realize you are interdependent with other people. And frankly, you know, if you're not a shield maker by your profession or training or experience, it makes sense to hire a shield maker to do that for you because a shield is going to save your life. You know, and I use that that analogy of a shield on purpose because it it brings to mind, you know, some there's all these shows on TV with Vikings and they've got swords. You know, and if somebody's coming at me with a sword, I want a really strong shield and I want it built by the best shield maker that's out there. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is identify who's coming at you, you know, and if you have a creditor, if if somebody, you know, sent you a bill today and said you owe us $190,000, would you would you just pay that or or would you maybe reach out to a professional and say, "Whoa, this is a big deal. This is a legal problem. Can I seek protection against this? Is there any way I can fight this?" Of course you would. Well, this is the same thing. When we're talking about massive tax bills in your future, when we're talking about long-term care expenses in the range of hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially, that's a legal problem and that's a financial problem. So you probably want shield makers well in advance who have training and experience in elder law or and financial advising so that they can understand ways to grow your wealth and then I can protect your wealth. This is just common sense. I mean, that you have to see this uh, not as, oh gosh, this is another bill I have to pay, but rather this is going to protect me. This is going to protect my family. I'm hiring the best shield maker I can find because, you know, if, if you have a creditor coming after you for that kind of money, then obviously you want to fight that. You know, that this is getting to the quality of life that your family has. And, and it's really your hard-earned savings. You spent decades uh, being careful about your spending, careful about your savings, uh, there, there's no sense leaving it unprotected. That just doesn't make any sense. So these are the adult responsible decisions I was talking about at the beginning, sticking your head in the sand and hoping it goes away. Well, how would that work if you got that major bill in the in the mail? 190000 Well, I'll just ignore that and see if it goes away. Probably that would not work out very well for you at all. Um, and it's the same thing here. So again, I, I, I strongly encourage people to not only get the education that is out there, and we, we try to do a whole lot of it, and I know a lot of our professional partners out there uh, in the care facilities, the, the financial advisory firms, they're all doing education on what they know, that their specific specialty, because they, they want to share their information with people. They're probably a lot like me, where I see people come in, and, and it's, let's say, Sarah and Melody Two decades from now, when one of them needs long-term care, they're fretting about all the money they're paying. But at least with them, I know they'll be ready for it. It's not going to be a situation like Jerry's. It's going to be one where 
they're protected. They have all the tools in place to keep their money intact, to get the care they need, to avoid taxes. And that's that's what responsible planning leads to. They, they, we're talking about two very different outcomes based on whether you're willing to face these decisions and take them on or whether you're going to stick your head in the sand. More about the cost of not planning when I come back in a moment. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. During this episode, I've been talking about the cost of not planning and the, the excuses people come up with for not taking on their adult responsibilities, coming up with a solid legal plan that anticipates specific threats. And these these threats are super expensive. And, you know, and I get, you know, I said at the beginning, I get this frustration that and I've had people in my office say this where I'm looking through. I say, well, let me sh- let me see the estate planning documents that you think protect you from the threats coming down the pike and they show them to me and you know I'm looking at the power of attorney and it says something like uh I allow limited gifting or no gifting at all gifting of course is is a broad term that gets into how do we move assets out of your name or or move large sums of money around and whether that's your financial advisor doing that to avoid taxes or to uh, grow your money in a different way when you are incapacitated. That's what is required. From my perspective, that's how you do Medicaid planning. That's how we can get money out of your name, get you eligible for Medicaid, so your family is not having to pay $13,000 a month for care that you absolutely need because of a medical incident. So I'm, I'm explaining that to them. You know, this is this is does not have in it what we would need to to see to do Medicaid planning and save you potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm saying to the the family, well, I see your will. You're married. Uh, your your will says I leave everything to my spouse, full stop. And then it says if my spouse has passed away, I leave everything to my children in equal shares. That's it. And it's a short, you know, what what people call a simple will. All you need is a simple will. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that, but that's what the the folks have. And I'm saying to them, you realize uh, this is a lost opportunity for asset protection because what if we get all the money out of your husband's name because he needs long-term care and we move it into you, the wife's name, and now you have all the money and then you suddenly pass away while your husband is in a nursing home on Medicaid? Well, what's going to happen is your will says give everything that you have in your name to your husband. So we do that, and then your husband loses Medicaid because he has way too much money now to qualify for Medicaid. So what happens? He ends up spending all of the the couple's money on long-term care and forget about the next line in the will, I leave everything to my children. There's nothing left to go to the children. All of your money got lost or got spent on skilled nursing care when you had something else available to you, which is Medicaid, and you went and lost it uh, through a lost opportunity. So I explain that to people, and I'm like, you know, you could be building in asset protection trusts even inside your will. You can build one that's outside the will that you would fund with your, your house or money, but but even you can even just build one inside the will and imagine that scenario playing out, and now all of that money is saved, and your children will actually inherit something. It's hard to put a price on that, uh, but but we can actually look at how much money you have and, and at least have a start at it. 
But I tell people this, and and I have had even even going through the what ifs and the the way things play out, I've had people say to me, "This is so frustrating. I went to a lawyer. I thought I had this taken care of, and of course they're saying it like, well, we checked that box. We we got it done." And I feel the frustration, and I understand the frustration, uh, and I and I'm wondering in my head, did that lawyer ever take the time to? ask questions about, you know, what are you trying to protect against? Did did the people ever have any education from that lawyer before they did the estate plan about what are we trying to accomplish here? What are the threats that, that could come after? I mean, you have a will generally to leave something to the next generation. Well, how do you make sure there's still something there? Did, was there any education about that from that other lawyer? And, you know, nobody will ever be able to say that Keystone Elder Law does not provide education. We shower people with it. We we have our online workshops, which you can find at KeystoneElderLaw.com using the workshops tab. They're every single week. And in between those, we're out speaking in various community events. Uh, we're, we're pretty routinely requested to come and speak at various care facilities, speak to the families of residents of those those facilities, and we love having the opportunity and the relationships with those communities where we can educate people in central Pennsylvania. Because apparently when I get this frustration about investing in more legal planning, it's because they never got that before. They just they said, what do we need? We need an estate plan. They signed some documents and that was it. So, you know, another example of somebody who might try to to object to this because they they just don't fully understand the investment would be somebody who says, well, you know, my, my parent is going into a skilled nursing facility and they, you know, they, they sit down with me at Keystone Elder Law. I take them through the whole, we look at, at the, the parent's uh, health situation. Well, definitely skilled care is, is needed. Even the doctors are saying, must go to skilled care. We're looking at the, the parents' finances, uh, we're, we're, and I'm, I'm basically saying, well, at the cost, this level of, of care, the cost is going to mean that your parent is going to run out of money in about, you know, 10 months or 12 months. And so, you know, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do it very quickly, and I take them through the whole process of Medicaid planning where we can save an awful lot of money for the family, make sure that the parent gets appropriate care and it's paid for. And of course, the the wonderful caregivers at the uh, nursing facility are still going to, they're going to get paid either way. So we're going to go with Medicaid planning. <clears throat> and I go through this and, and you know, the adult child says, well, what do you charge for that? And and I say, well, and I tell them what we charge for, which is, you know, maybe a month of, of care as opposed to months for the rest of the person's money until it runs out. And, and they say, well, that, that's a fortune. I don't want to pay that. And obviously they're thinking, like, what else have I paid that kind of money for ever? But they're not thinking about it, you know, that you're going to lose everything. You're, you're going to lose everything. And, and what's the alternative? Are you going to do this yourself? And the response to that is usually, well, yeah, I'm going to, with enough patience, I'll be able to put this together myself. So they go and they try to do it themselves. Uh, they submit an application um, as soon as the caseworker at the Department of Human Services takes a look at it, they can look. They can tell with with appropriate analysis of the tax records that they have not received all of the bank statements. So they deny it, and they go back to the the adult child and say, "You didn't give us all the bank accounts. We're we're not giving you Medicaid." And you know, then the the adult child maybe didn't even know about that bank account. So then they finally unearth that those documents, and then they find gifting in that out of that account that the adult child didn't even know about. 
and they have no plan for the gifting. How do you now there's a penalty period? And so it all gets rejected again. And even if you're going to save money, there's a there's a very complicated strategy called a gift annuity strategy where you can make a gift to the adult children and then use a certain kind of Medicaid compliant annuity to pay through the penalty period you just created with the gift. But of course, the adult child has no idea how to do that. He, you know, he's researching retirement annuities, which are nowhere near what he would need for this situation. So the caseworker denies it again and again and again. There's gifting. There's a penalty period. Eventually, mom's just going to run out of money. And so at $13,000 a month, you know, do you want to take this on yourself and make a mistake? Or do you want to trust people who do this all day, every day? So the objection, again, the cost of not hiring a professional to do the planning and protect you from the major legal problem that you have, this you know, enormous creditor coming your way to take a ton of money from your family. You're not going to pay for that. Okay, what's the cost of you doing it yourself and making a mistake? Well, in this case, it's $13,000 every single month. So again, invest in a shield. And if you're not a shield maker yourself, hire someone to build you a shield. Having a shield saves your life. That's the takeaway for today. It costs so much more to not do proper planning than it does to invest in planning. I hope that this is a takeaway for you that, uh, that you follow up on with action. And it's understandable. You want to learn a little more? Fine. Go to KeystoneElderLaw.com, and I hope you uh, register for one of the upcoming workshops. We do them every week. It's usually either a Tuesday or a Wednesday, usually 6.30 p.m., And if you can't make it, sign up anyway, because afterwards you're going to get automatically an email with a recording of it. Uh, The benefit to showing up live is that you can ask questions and I I stay on. Sometimes I'm on there for a couple hours. Uh, You know, I try to keep the presentation short um, and and respect the time that people have. But a lot of people stay on. I mean, over 100 people will stay on as questions are being asked and answered. And I'm answering those questions until everybody's satisfied and then I finally go home at, you know, 8 o'clock, 8.30 at night, uh, spent from, from the exercise. But, but I love it, and, and I hope that uh, it seems like I get the feedback that people love it, people get a lot out of it. And I really hope that having heard that there, there's an investment to be made here that, that can protect your family, that you will take similar steps, get that education, and then take some action when you call us at 697-3223, that's 717-697-3223, we will uh, start you with uh, some intake where we gather some information. If you haven't seen the workshop, we'll get you hooked up with that, and then we'll get you in and start building that shield. Check us out at KeystoneElderLaw.com. Until next week, thank you for listening to the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580.